This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Prime Time on Money FM 89.3. I'm Rachel Kelly, and now it's time for Inside Hong Kong with Claire Huang, the Hong Kong correspondent for The Straits Times. Claire, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Rachel. Always my pleasure. And uh, Claire, we've got quite a bit to cover today. Hong Kong's announced a $139 billion budget for next year. We've also got to catch up on the COVID situation there. But first, let's start off with the budget, because Financial Secretary Paul Chan unveiled the budget on Wednesday. It includes a substantial amount to set aside for pandemic relief and public health measures. What were some of the key takeaways from the budget? Well, um, Rachel, so um, they're going to spend about a uh, hundred expenditures, about 139 billion uh, Sing dollars. But uh, of this, right, uh, more than uh, 60 billion Hong Kong dollars, uh, there's about 10 billion Sing, uh, which is the bulk of the budget, will be spent on beefing up the, the city's fight against the outbreaks um, in line with the zero COVID policy. Now, this policy basically means that the government will not tolerate having one case, same policy in the mainland. So this amount of money will be used to beef up testing, buy more vaccines, build more isolation and hospital facilities, as well as other anti-epidemic uh, users, potential users and things like that. So one of the things um, that stood out uh, in this budget was that for the first time, the government uh, is stepping in to introduce a temporary law, uh, which will prevent uh, landlords from evicting, uh, terminating contracts or suing tenants who are be- behind on rental payments. Because, you know, uh, a lot of the uh, SME small uh, and medium enterprises are affected. So this law is to last about three months. And if needed, it can be extended for another three months. But after the six months, it will expire. So the proposal will cover selected businesses, including those affected by anti-pandemic measures in the retail sector. Uh, All those businesses now ordered to shut uh, until April, late April, like hair salons, cinemas, gyms, and so on. They are likely to come under this, as well as eateries that have been hit um, quite hard. So if you look at Hong Kong's revenue base, it's quite narrow, most of which comes from uh, land sales. So the financial secretary, Paul Chan, has said that uh, in 2024 to 2025, the government is looking to introduce a progressive rating system for domestic properties. What it means is that pricier flats will be subject to a higher percentage in property rates. And this could somewhat cool the property market and provide income to the government's um, you know, kitty. Uh, and for the locals, I think a highlight would be the fact that there is the uh, electronic consumption vouchers worth uh, $1,700. Sing dollars. Uh, it's twice the amount in the last round, in the last budget. And that said, Claire, speaking of cooling, the economy is supposed to cool and slow this year as well. What's Hong Kong's outlook for the economy on the back of the budget, the government's financial position? The government is expected to spend $139 billion and estimated revenue is $124 billion. But analysts have said that, you know, there's a surplus from the current fiscal year. Uh, so that will help uh, in the new fiscal year. And the uh, fiscal year from in Hong Kong starts from April. So as for economic growth, it would depend a lot on how the pandemic situation goes. Because 
you know, uh, as it is, restrictions are at their tightest. Uh, this city is pretty much uh, kind of like uh, uh, isolated in that sense because you've got flight bans, you've got, uh, you know, only residents can come back into the city. Uh, and then you've got the isolation quarantine rules and things like that. So, and businesses are shut. So, um, you know, financial chief Paul Chan has said that he expects the growth to be, uh, well, 2 to 3.5% mm -hmm. uh, for, th for this year. Uh, the estimates, though, for 2023 to 2026 is about 3% per annum, which is higher than the previous trend of 2.8%. And Claire, these proposals were announced as hundreds of bars, restaurants, small retailers have warned that they're just months away from closure as the city endured its worst COVID-19 outbreak so far. So how do Hong Kongers feel about the city's newly unveiled budget then? Well, as usual, Rachel, you can't please everyone. Our analysts have said they expected the focus on Indian uh, pandemic epidemic efforts. I mean, after all, Chinese President Xi Jinping recently has called on the Hong Kong government to shoulder the main responsibility and, you know, to basically do whatever it needs to do to fight uh, the virus. And as some have pointed out, um, Hong Kong has turned into a gilded cage and will be an island cut off from everyone, even the mainland, if zero COVID is not achieved. This city is closest to the mainland and as it is for a period, you know, uh, mainland news agencies, I understand, were prevented from writing about how bad the situ situation was in Hong Kong. They're now beginning to start covering uh, Hong Kong's COVID situation, but it shows you that stability is key for Beijing. Uh, and if you ask the locals, they're frustrated and angry with the government, um, not only because of the strict measures, but because they think that the officials here are just trying to please the mainland and not really rolling out uh, or implementing measures that are suitable for Hong Kong and for them to help them. So what we're looking at now is that, you know, the FMB uh, representatives have spoken. They say that the end, the end is near for many eateries. About 5,000 restaurants, almost one third of Hong Kong's eateries are considering shutting down for months uh, in order to cut costs. And more than 1,200 restaurants have already suspended businesses uh, and 300 are permanently closed. So you know, we must bear in mind that uh, uh, in early January, there was already uh, the order uh, for bars to shut. Uh, and then there was uh, the ban on uh, restaurant dining in after 6 p.m. Uh, because of, you know, uh, because they were starting to see cases. Um, so this is going to have quite an impact, um, no matter the subsidies uh, or the handouts. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. We're speaking with Claire Huang, Hong Kong correspondent for The Straits Times. Claire, shifting gears now, let's talk about the COVID-19 situation because boosting testing capacity and buying booster shots were among the measures funded with 67.5 billion Hong Kong dollars earmarked for Hong Kong's COVID-19 fight. Let's talk about the situation there, though, because the city is in the throes of its worst ever COVID-19 wave. Yes. So daily infections now hover around 7,000, 8,000 these days. Uh, deaths are going up by the dozens. Um, the youngest casualty was an 11-month-old baby, the oldest about 103. We now have more than 75,000 cases and over 280 deaths. Uh, the actual numbers might be more because um, the officials 
uh, have problems uh, telling the numbers. Uh, so, so these numbers might not even be that reflective. Uh, and an interviewee whom I spoke with, who um, just days ago, uh, one or two days ago, got out of Penny's Bay Quarantine Center, uh, her experience uh, shows you the kind of chaos in Hong Kong um, because they don't have enough testing capacity, they don't have enough isolation capacity, uh, capacity they don't have, the, basically the healthcare system is so burdened, it's on the brink. So she was tested negative and sent into isolation in a hotel because she's negative, right? Uh, only if you're positive, then you're being sent to the hospital, hospitals are full, so then they will send you elsewhere to Asia World Expo and so on. Now, then she tested positive in the hotel. And so she was sent to Penny's Bay. And then it was understaffed in Penny's Bay. So she stayed there for more than a week. And when she was told she could finally go, her exit was delayed because there were 800 people in front of her and not enough shuttle buses to get them out. So, and then there's the problem of parents having to leave their infected children in the hospitals alone because th there aren't enough beds for the parents to accompany their kids. So this happened also to um, the interviewee's cousin. But the cousin was lucky because uh, when the family of nine got it, uh, uh, it was before the, the, the exponential surge in cases. And then there's the mandatory mass testing to be held next month. Everyone has to undergo three tests uh, and it will take the government about a week to test the entire 7.4 million population. So this is going to be about three weeks. And to do this, they want to free up schools for this purpose. So Chief Executive Carrie Lam then said that, you know, she's bringing forward uh, summer breaks of the kindergarten, primary and secondary uh, school students. You know, she's going to bring it from uh, July and August to March and April. And this has created a whole other problem where parents are flustered and now have to deal with the situation. Um, and the hospital's continue to be short of manpower, that's continue to be full. Isolation facilities are also full. So the government has said that it would build more facilities to cope with this sort of self-generated demand, right? Because of the policy. Mm. And you have uh, the silver lining is that now you have a mainland uh, group to come in and help. And so they're stepping in to help build, you know, the facilities to help with testing uh, and things like that. Claire, that said, though, you know, Hong Kong's government's also invoked emergency powers to allow personnel from the Chinese mainland to help combat the spiraling outbreak. What more do we know about that? Well, the government's position is that uh, it has, uh, you know, it today gazetted emergency laws that basically waives licensing and registration requirements uh, for mainland personnel uh, who are here to do anti-epidemic work. You know, uh, and uh, this is part of uh, mainland's, um, uh, you know, basically they pledged, right, to, to support, you know, uh, Hong Kong in its fight uh, against the pandemic. Uh, and and uh, what we know is that under the regulation, which, you know, has taken effect, um, basically you have the construction of hospitals, isolation facilities, uh, the mainland uh, personnel will be able to participate in these projects. Uh, and will not be able uh, and will be exempt from complying with the city's uh, statutory requirements. Um, Hong Kong officials are saying that the regulation is needed because Hong Kong is in a very dire situation um, and, uh, you know, they need help to cope with the surge in infections. 
Um, but how this will go down with the locals uh, is a completely different matter because um, previously I've had locals who asked me whether, you know, it's not as if Hong Kong does not have the capacity and, to, uh, and that, you know, it's not as if Hong Kong doesn't have enough people to do this as well. But I think... Um, because of the exponential rise, I think we need to bear in mind that there's been an exponential rise and it's gone up so much that um, the government cannot simply cannot uh, handle it and uh, simply does not have enough people to mobilize to do it. Well, Claire, thank you for those updates. Please stay safe and healthy in Hong Kong. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you. We've been speaking with Claire Huang, Hong Kong correspondent at The Straits Times. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.